You know, as they were singing that song, I, I looked up and said, the God of Jacob. You know, and the Bible says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. History could have been different. We could have quoted it, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. See, we don't preach on that a lot, but what are you willing to trade your history for? Esau was erased at the moment he traded his right away. He gave his rights away for a carnal nature of his flesh, hunger. Everyone has a carnal nature. And I was thinking, I saw Jacob's name up there and I was thinking we could have just as easily been singing about the God of Esau. Except he let it slip away. And I know I'm not preaching yet, but I just kind of feel the presence of the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you're letting something slip away. Could we just stand up on our feet just for a moment tonight? Come on, just, just for a moment. Could we just do this tonight? It's Monday night. It's, I mean, praise God, you're, you're at church on Monday night. We might as well get something. Could we just lift our hands up tonight? Come on, just worship the Lord. And Maybe you're here tonight and you're almost at the edge of Esau. You're almost ready to, to give it away, to let it slip aside and let your destiny go. Let history be written different about you because of a decision. Tonight, the Lord is getting your decision by a song that came up through an offering. See, there's nothing by coincidence. Sometimes... I preach a message and I don't know why a song leader picks a song and isn't sure why, but God knows why. Come on, just lift your hands tonight, Lord. Just say, I surrender all. Come on. I surrender all. I don't know. Do you know that song, I surrender all? Let, let's just sing that just for a minute. Come on, right now, just impromptu, I surrender all. Don't be Esau and give it away. Surrender tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, church, sing it out together. I surrender all. Come on, from the congregation, sing it out loud. All to Jesus. Come on, all together now. down tonight. I Nothing's worth giving it up for. Nothing. Lord, we ask your blessing upon this word tonight, this message, these people, this tabernacle these churches within the church that have gathered here tonight. Nothing's worth giving up our faith. You see, a lot of people think that heaven is the only place full of believers, but I submit to you tonight that every person in hell tonight is a believer. The only thing that separates them is there's no way out for them. They believed too late. But if you could talk to somebody in hell, they would tell you, I'm a believer. It's real. Jesus is real. But they can't do anything about it tonight. So I want to encourage you tonight, be a believer that can do something about it. <laughs> 
Be a believer here on earth so that you'll be the right believer in eternity. Can we put our hands together one more time and just shout hallelujah to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. You may be seated tonight. I don't know. The Holy Spirit just wanted to touch us tonight in that way. Maybe somebody was here. They couldn't wait to the end of service. And the history of your life was about to be rewritten because you were about to to give it up. And uh, don't let your history be rewritten because of a mistake that you've made. Come on, somebody say amen. Tonight, uh, we're going to get into the word. I, I had my message ready again. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And, and the Lord's kind of flowing in a different direction again. So we just going to flow. How many like to flow? Come on. Sometime it's good just to get in the river and go downstream a while. Amen. Uh, and so tonight we're just going to go downstream a while. And last night we learned that we're in him, that we're covered by the blood. And when we're in him and we're covered by the blood, that he has predestined us to be in our inheritance. And then he is the guarantor of that which he blessed us with. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to seal us so we can't get out of it at any moment we want to because we're covered by the blood. We're in Christ and were sealed or surrounded by the Holy Ghost. We learn that we are complete in Christ. Would everybody shout, I'm complete in Christ? Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 will change your life if you speak it over your life every day and insert your name. I, Randall Black, am complete in Christ who is the head of all principality and all power. That covers everything that will ever come against you. You are complete. Now tonight we're going to look a little bit at the messed up situation we have between our ears. I want to ask you a question tonight. How does your mind operate? Do you have a security system, a virus protection system that protects your mind? Or does your mind operate on the positive side, the faith side, or the negative side, the fear side, uh, the woe is me side? Does your mind operate on the victory side, or I'm always under the attack side? You see, tonight we we need to get our minds straight because, you see, God, when we got born again, how many are in Christ? Raise your hand. So therefore, when you accepted Christ, the Bible says that he is in you and you are in him. So when you accept Christ, think of yourself as a hard drive of a computer. God downloaded his nature into you. And Jesus said, the works that I did, you should do also. He began that verse in John 14 and verse 12. He said, verily, verily, if that was T.D. Jakes, he would say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. In other words, listen to what I'm about to say. So when we got saved, if I understand salvation correctly, and we learned what we learned last night in Ephesians, which came after the cross, after the death, and after the resurrection, that if I accept Christ, God downloads his nature into the hard drive of my humanity. Come on, somebody, that'll make you see things a little different. But see, it's like our computer. How many have a computer? How many have a cell phone? That's a computer. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever looked at that thing and smacked it or it slowed up or you had to uh, erase some viruses on it? And you have virus software, uh, uh, PC Medic or go to mypc.com and, and all these things to protect the hard drive from getting infected because if it gets infected, everything attached to the hard drive is now under attack by whatever virus was sent inside. So that little negative thought that you just dwelled on will end up turning into maybe depression, anxiety, or worry 
if you don't begin to put that virus to rest and attack it with the word of God and say, no, you're not getting in my hard drive. See, we'll protect our computers, but we won't protect our mindset. You see, we understand, we'll, we'll just babble out all kind of garbage. Say, well, I'm this, I'm that. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm seated in heavenly places, not in lowly places. I'm going to speak the word of God. Because I don't walk by what I see. I walk by what he said. We walk not by sight, but by faith. See, I'm trying to find everybody in this room pretty much has sight. You can see that I'm white and I'm wearing a white shirt, but I'm looking for somebody that's got vision. See, everybody has sight, but how many have vision? And see, tonight we need to get our mindset. So tonight we're going to go into your brain and into my brain because I do surgery on my brain every day. Uh, Pastoring and being on the board of three other churches and another ministry in Miami, I get hit with a lot of negative stuff. Well, we got to come up with this much money or this person wants to leave our church and we're, we're splitting over here. And so it's always a problem. So I got to reboot my hard drive on a regular basis. And if I'm going to protect my iPhone with hardware and software to keep a virus out, I'm going to protect my mind. If I'm going to put a deadbolt on my door of my house and buy me a big dog so that when I'm gone and somebody comes to my house, they're going to have to get through my dog before they get to my wife. And then I got a gun and I told my wife how to shoot it. And I said, if you rebuke them in the name of Jesus and they keep running, you throw some lead down rage. Just like we went to Panama, we were armed. Somebody said, well, didn't trust the Lord? Well, Jesus said, if you have a cloak and have not a sword, when you go sell your cloak and take a sword. So when I went down near the Colombian border, we had machine guns. Well, Peter in the garden had a sword and he drew the thing. Jesus didn't tell the disciples not to arm themselves. They were with him and he drew it. I'm not talking about that, but we'll protect our house. We'll protect our cars. We'll protect our computers and we'll let our mind go crazy. Well, we'll, you know, uh, uh, you know, we'll say that I'm coming down with the flu. Well, go ahead. I'm not. Oh, you're in denial. No, faith doesn't deny the diagnosis, but faith defies the prognosis. If that thing tries to get a hold of me, I'm just not going to give it the right to take up residence in me. Come on, somebody. And even if I'm feeling sick, Paul said, even if God didn't touch me in any other way, even in my infirmity, I know the hand of the Lord will touch me. So even if I can't feel God any other way, if I happen to get sick, praise God, I'm going to look at it good because I know God touches the sick. See, you got to train your mind to control your mouth. I'm positive. I get on people's nerves. You don't want like some death, gloom, and despair preacher. Here, you have some depression and grief over here, and you have some cancer in the middle, and, you know, bless the Lord. When we get to heaven, it'll be, oh, bless the Lord. I don't feel well. Matter of fact, that just said, no, you, you want to have some faith, some inspiration. Come on, somebody say amen. So let, let, let's go here. Let's establish some facts. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I'm a word preacher. Well, boy, there's a lot of people excited about that one. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. I feel like family now, so I can just be me, right? All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. My pages are stuck together. You shouldn't drink coffee right beside your Bible. Amen. Anybody ever have that little happen? Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be crazy, uh, uh, unstable, 
double-minded in everything you do, never accomplishing anything for the Lord, knowing that everything you're doing is too hard and impossible. Now, come on now, but, you know, that ain't in the Bible, but we sure do act like it a whole lot. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, it says this, thanks be to God, which has given us the victory. So we are fighting from the victory, not just fighting for the victory. We've got to get our mindset right. Come on, somebody. If I'm going to protect my property, I'm going to protect my mind. I got to watch what comes into it. And if I get in a conversation where somebody wants to back up the waste management truck, beep, 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 beep. Sorry, I had that surgery. I don't make high sounds real good. Beep, beep. And and they just want to dump all their trash on me. I I stop. I am your pastor. I am not your dumpster. Because I can't let all that junk into my mind. Because there's somebody coming after you. And if everybody backs the, the, the junk up, you got to take it to the cross at some point or the other. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Come on, somebody. And we got to lay that burden down and get our mind renewed. I'm proactive, not reactive. I'm not waiting to get punched. If I know a punch is coming, I'm going to try to throw the first. Now, I'm not talking literally. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But if I feel the devil's up to something, I'm not waiting till he does it and then reacting to what he's doing in my church. I I don't want to just know what is. The Bible says I can know what's coming. And I had to repent to my church in 2009. I, I, as a man of God, we should have seen the economic crisis coming. We should have seen the real estate market coming. We were too busy preaching about what is and not looking at what was coming. Come on, somebody. We were reactionary instead of being proactive. And so I'm trying to spend time in prayer saying, Lord, show me next week. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. And if I sense the enemy's up to something in somebody, I don't wait till they do it. And then they come and and talk about it later. I'll call them into my office or go to their house and say, brother, it looks like the devil's using you. It happened recently, one of my best friends, and I told Lisa, something's stirring, man. I've been friends with this guy for years, but I feel like a Jezebel spirit has got up in his heart, and, and, and something is going on. So I had to go to him, and I'm like, brother, what is going on? I, I sense this is going on. You're about to cause this trouble and that trouble, and some he already had caused. And, and praise God, I was proactive because he needed a sign that God was looking out after him and that he was hearing the right voice. Come on, somebody. And God healed the situation. But if we sit back and let them drop the bomb, then you've got collateral damage. So he says, therefore, my beloved are those that are in him. Is that you say, man? You're the beloved brethren. Be steadfast. Come on now. Christians today, You almost want to say, Lord, help us. (laughs) They're about as steadfast as a cardboard box in a rainstorm. Boy, I'm going to tell you, just let a little something come their way. Ah, you know, they just lose it. I mean, they got such little belief or faith or root system down in the word of God that the littlest thing, you, you, they, they tell me some things. I'm like, you even call that a problem? Oh, my microwave blew up. That must be a sign. No, it's made somewhere in Vietnam. It cost you $39. Instead of saying, oh, Lord, just go buy another one. That ain't a problem. I'll take you to some villages and to some people starving to death and dying of disease. That's a problem. You ain't even got to pray about it. Just go get you a microwave. Glory be to God. Well, my wash machine is, is on is on the fridge. Well, glory be to God. You done washed 20,000 hours in it. What do you think? Just go get another one. 
But see, we get all this stuff in our mind and we try to relate it to all everything. No, the Bible says be steadfast, immovable, always abounding or succeeding or in great supply the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So I've constantly got to tell my mind and engage my mind that what you're doing is having an effect. It doesn't matter if I see the altar full tonight or the church full tonight or the offering plate full tonight or if I preach the best sermon, I've got to know in my heart that I was sowed a seed in the realm of the spirit tonight and somebody else might water it and somebody else might reap the harvest, but I've got to know it's not in vain. Every song y'all sing at worship, it doesn't matter if everybody engages. I know we want them to, but you're doing something in the atmosphere. You're pulling something down and you're lifting up the name of the Lord. And eventually it will break if you do not stop. So we got to have the mindset of victory. How many like... How many enjoy hanging around defeated, beat-down people? Oh, yay! How many enjoy being around somebody who's got a little victory in their life? Why? Because I go and help beat-down people all the time. But man, to fall is a mistake. To stay that way is a decision. To slip up is a mistake, but to stay that way is a decision. To have the thought is a mistake, but to keep thinking the thought is a decision. Come on, somebody say amen. You can't stop a bird from dropping something on your head when he flies over, and that's a thought or an idea the enemy will send, but you can stop him from building a nest there. And the enemy will shoot a thought and he'll shoot a desire through your mind. And the Bible says in the Corinthians to bring every thought in the captivity of the mind of Christ. So you stop that thought and you make the decision, no, I'm going to have a different mindset. Now, let's go on and let's look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're just going to get into some word tonight. And I just believe it's going to build. There's more to here tonight than it was last night. I believe tomorrow night, y'all just spread the word. Get on Facebook, call people, text message people, go visit people and tell them, get on in here tomorrow night. Get on in here Wednesday night. The Lord is doing something. First John chapter five, verse four. For whatever is born of God, how many are in him? Raise your hand again. Come on, we're laying a principle down. So for whatever or whoever is in him, that's each and every one of you. Look what the word has to say. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is a son of God. So your faith is world overcoming, world impacting faith. We might get in it tomorrow night about being a mountain mover versus being a mountain climber. Because there's a lot of people that are satisfied, well, this is my lot in life, and I'm just going to deal with it, pitch a tent on the side of it, and when I die, everything will be all right. Jesus doesn't want you to climb the mountain. He told you to move the mountain. (laughs) For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory everybody shout the victory now come on that sounds like a bunch of defeated people coming back from a bad military campaign everybody shout the victory thank you brother let's all shout it like he did he, he it's his fault let's all do it like he did it one two three Now, this is your victory that overcomes the world, our faith and belief in him. 
So whatever comes up against you, the Bible's already told you that no weapon formed against you can prosper. So man, you can go into the battle like a Marvel Avenger superhero, knowing that it doesn't matter what alien comes through that portal or what laser gun they got, I have got the victory. It doesn't matter what sickness the enemy tries to kill me with. It doesn't matter what cancer cell he tries to put in my body. No weapon formed against me. Doesn't matter what thought he puts in my head. No weapon formed against me. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. Well, my mama had it. Now they say I have it. No weapon. When I'm in him, I'm a new creation. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what my tribe or heritage or bloodline was. I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. And just because my daddy had it, that don't mean I'm going to have it. And that don't mean my son's going to have it. Because I am now a new creation and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Now, I might go through some things and I might end up in a fiery furnace. I might end up in an ark in a flood, but I'm going to come out of it better than I went into it. Because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For the Lord is with me. See, you're going to the battle with the right guy. Anybody in the military? I was in the light infantry and you had battle buddies. You better hope you had the right battle buddy when you were doing all your preparations and war games because if you had a lazy person with you, you had to work twice as hard. Come on, somebody say amen. And so when you were on the road march, when you were digging your foxhole, when you were setting up the perimeter, putting up the tents, getting everything ready, you needed to have a good battle buddy so you didn't have to do all the work. Well, I want you to know God is a good battle buddy. Hey, hey, mm-hmm, hey, he ain't never lost. So if he ain't never lost and he downloaded his nature into me, why do I keep losing? Because I'm not activating. The Bible says he can do above and beyond according to the power that worketh in us. You got to activate the power. How do you activate the power? By activating your faith. How do you activate your faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It all comes back to the word of God. And so if you're spending more time with Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil or Glenn Beck or, or Sean Hannity or anybody else, and I'm not saying who's good and bad, but I'm saying you're going to download a whole lot of fear into your mind. Come on, somebody say amen. A whole lot of craziness into your spirit. But if you download the Word of God and you hear something, and I listen to talk radio on this, and I'll hear that, and be, oh, did you hear this, Pastor? This is coming in. I'm not letting it. When I hear it come out, I say, oh, well, praise the Lord. That ain't going to get in my spirit. Glory be to God. I got a virus software, the Word of God, like a force field around me, zoom, 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 just eating it up. A filter, like on your furnace. Before the air comes out, it gets sucked in and any impurities get stopped. We need to have some filters. Colossians 2.10, we were there last night, but it says we are complete in Christ. Go to Hebrews 13. Is this all right tonight? Shout him in. Hallelujah. Go to Hebrews I just, this flowing thing is pretty good. I reckon figure if it's good, we'll be back. And if not, y'all you know, keep praying for you and y'all pray for me. <laughs> I just don't feel like I need to come in here and perform and come up with the, the three best sermons I've ever had and swing from that chandelier and flip under that pew. And just, I just want to come in here and do what God's called me to do. And that will have more impact than selling my book are doing this or that is trusting the Holy Spirit to flow through me to release a word that, that each of you need to hear last night, tonight, tomorrow night, and that will have more lasting impact than anything I could ever do. And so I appreciate you guys. I've been to a lot of churches where I felt the Lord want me to flow in something different, but there was such a spirit of stoppage and religion and fear. I got up, I couldn't even hardly move, man. I had to just go ahead and preach my little thing. But I felt a freedom and a flow of the Holy Ghost here where we can just flow and go with the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. That's a good thing. Hebrews 
chapter 13. If you're there, shout amen. If you're not, say, give me a minute. Well, what you been doing, sister? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, she got me. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm not there either, so I'm with you. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor forever. So we see that God wants us to be complete so that we can do his will. That which is well-pleasing. He, he's not wanting you to have to just be, let the devil just beat the daylights out of you every day. He's wanting you to be complete, to do his well, uh, to do his good pleasure and to perform his will. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm getting complete in Christ. Now go to Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Talking about our mindset, a mindset of victory, a mindset of completeness, a mindset of faith, a mindset to be proactive and not always reactive. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is provable. If you're hanging around people and it's always pie in the sky and it's never steak on the plate, then they have had a dream, but they haven't had faith yet. Because faith has substance and evidence. This pulpit is made out of molecules and plastic things, substance. I can see it and touch it. Faith has substance. It also has evidence. Now, what is evidence? Anybody ever been to court? When you go to court, the judge or the lawyer say, let me see the evidence against you or the evidence to make you guilty or innocent. Evidence is something that can be produced in a court of law that will prove one party guilty or innocent. So when the enemy comes to attack me or dare he come attack my wife or my children because I am a covering to them, I'm going to pull out some evidence. Come on, somebody. You tried that in 1979. Let me go to the evidence room that I was healed of tuberculosis and here is the evidence there is some substance and evidence to our faith I don't know if I shared this in December I may have in October we went to Panama and all I had was a word from the Lord Never been to Panama, did not have a contact in Panama. And the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to go to the Panama City Airport. I contacted my friend David Reyes in Miami. He's almost 70 years old now, but you would think he's 50. I mean, he travels the world and just an awesome guy. And and talking about that our faith has to have substance and evidence. And I said, the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell us that we need to go to Panama and God is going to do a work there. Well, about a week later, he's walking in uh, South Miami and he comes across a guy that he hadn't seen in like 18 years. And he was going to go back. His wife said, don't go back. She's shy. He's not. He ended up going back. And the guy said, I don't know you. And he said, well, I went to the church you went to. This was your pastor's name. You've been to Cuba. I've been to Cuba. And the guy said, well, I don't know you, but you must know me. And he said, well, what do you want? He said, well, I'm trying to go to Panama. And the guy said, I got back from Panama last week. And he had a phone number of Pastor Missiel. That's the only thing we had. And then after he said, I got a phone number, the Lord gave me a vision that said, you'll meet a man who lives out in the jungle and you'll cross a river and you'll go up a river and you will finish the work and you will help build a church and ministry for him. And so we didn't know his name. We had never met the guy we had the phone number for, but the Lord said, go, I think it was October 22nd, and fly to Panama City Airport and wait there. 
I told my wife, I'm going to Panama. What you going to do? Don't know. I wrote down the vision. I flew to Miami. I had David look at it. He thought, oh, man, you're a young, crazy. Oh, what are we going to do now? And I said, sign it and date it because this is from the Lord. So we signed it and dated. We get off the airplane. We call the guy we never met. He shows up. He has somebody with him. Come on, somebody say man. We meet him and say, well, who's this guy? Oh, this guy is from Boca de Coupe, way on out the jungle, across the river and upper river, 65 miles. And he's come into the city for supplies, trying to finish his church. David looked at me in the Panama City Airport. I looked at him and we just got back last month from building that church. Glory be to God. There is evidence. But you got to be willing to do something crazy. <laughs> My wife's used to it by now. She stuck with me 21 years. I, she's you. I mean, I, I was like, baby, the Lord's telling me this. We need to go over here. I drove all the way to Hampton, Virginia, one night to Pastor Gerard Ruff's church, Assembly of God Church, big one. The Holy Spirit, I'd never met him. I'd never been there. And this was before GPS. And it took me a while to find it. And I was late. And we got crammed in there. And, and Pastor Stan, somebody was preaching. And we were packed in there. I mean, tighter than sardines. And they bring me in late. And they, uh, the only place there was to sit is pretty cool. I didn't say, hey, I'm an evangelist at that time and all that. I came in and the only place left, I mean, this place was packed out was on the road with the ministers because there was a few seats there. And so they brought me up there. I looked like I wasn't going to kill nobody or jump nobody or anything. And they sent me there. Well, that guest speaker calls that pastor out, then calls me out. We get slain in the spirit. While we're laid out in the spirit, the Holy Ghost tells him, this young man you're laying beside, you're going to work in the ministry with. And when you get up, I I want you to invite him to your church. The Lord just told me to drive to Hampton. That's about 200 miles from my house. And he was going to make a connection. So I told my wife, I'll be back in a couple of days. The Holy Spirit saying, drive here and it's going to happen. Well, I've been back there. And they built a new like $2 million sanctuary. And I was able to dedicate that. Hadn't seen him in six years. Went to a meeting in Hampton two weeks ago. Sat down at the back row, came in late. I looked down the row, and there was Pastor Ruff all the way at the end of the row, and there was nobody in between us. He looked and smiled and greeted me, and then later he said, there was a lady in my church last Sunday that said, whatever happened to Randall Black, and why haven't you had him back? And he had got lazy with it, and he said, I know the Lord told me to work with him, and we did a little bit, and we came in the same church at the same meeting in the same city away from his church in another church set on the same road and there was nobody between us and he said the Lord said see there's nothing between you the only thing that's stopping you is your disobedience and God reconnected him well see he's got to have some faith to do some crazy stuff like that come on somebody say amen touch your neighbor say I'm about to go crazy in a good way not not mental we, we going against that. We're reprogramming our mind. So we need to have a mindset of victory. Everybody say victory. A mindset of completion. Everybody say completion. And a mindset of faith. Everybody say faith. Now, faith has substance and evidence. So after a little bit, you got to be able to prove what you believe. Now, John chapter 10 says that we'll hear the voice of the good shepherd and and the guy that guards the the gate of the sheep will let that voice in and the sheep will hear that voice and the sheep will come out. Literally, they would have pens outside the cities and the shepherds when they came to town could put all their sheep in a pen and when they would call for their sheep out of the hundreds that were there, their sheep would pick up on their voice and separate from the other sheep and follow them. But there were thieves that would try to climb over and steal them, just like they'll try to come in the side door of the church. They'll try to come in and and do this or that. But the voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd, we will hear, and the voice of a stranger we're not listening to. So to keep our minds protected, we got to determine what voices we're listening to. There's a country song. I heard it right now. I hear voices. Well, that's pretty stupid. 
I hear a voice. Come on, somebody say amen. It's the voice of the Lord. What frequency are you tuned into? Right now, through this beautiful church, as much as we want to keep it protected through radio waves, there's rock and roll music going through here right now. And if you sit there at the radio, you tune it in, you would get it because it's flying through here right now. Right now, there's cell phone frequencies flying right through here so that if you didn't turn your phone off and it rings, it'll grab your phone and get your attention. Right now, there's Christian music going through the airway that if you tune in, you can get it. There's country music. There's all kind of stuff going through the airwaves. Well, guess what? There's all kind of stuff coming toward your airwaves. The devil's broadcasting 24-7. He's broadcasting worry and fear and sickness and disease. And you can tune in, but the Lord is broadcasting too every day. And I'm going to tune in to mercy and grace and healing and love. And I'm going to pick up on that frequency. Because I ain't hearing voices. I'm hearing a voice. Come on, somebody say amen. My mind has got to be protected. I lock my car. I lock my house. I load my gun. I got a safe deposit box, but we'll let anything go through our mind and wonder why we get it all messed up and and all convoluted. We got to protect this mind and have a new mindset. And I think this church is one of them new mindset churches that isn't about to let the devil do what he wants to do in here or mess you up or mess you over. I'm locking my mind down. I got the antivirus software installed. Because remember, when I accepted Christ, like we talked last night, he has downloaded his nature. And so now we got to protect viruses. Go with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. Is this still all right tonight? Can I have a few more moments of your time? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Let this mind be, let this mind be in you, me, us, which was also in Christ. Now look, there is a colon there. That is the beginning of the thought. Now he's about to explain the mind that Christ had that he wants you to have. Now you are not God and I am not God, but he has put his nature in you. So what we're about to read will mess up some people that think, oh Lord, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said it. This is not coming from me. This is coming from him. I'm reading from the Bible. Look what it says. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Woo! Wait a minute, Pastor, what are you telling me? I'm telling you the nature of God is in you. And it said that you're seated in heavenly places, that life and death are in your mouth. Come on, somebody. Satan doesn't control life and death. You control life and death. God isn't up there saying, I need you in heaven to praise me. You don't need to go to heaven to praise the Lord. He needs you here. You can't do no good in heaven yet. You can do good here. Angels are made to praise him up there. Come on, somebody. We get everything all convoluted and messed up because of our lack of faith. He said, let the mind be in you, which was also in my son Christ, that my nature is in you. And what he did, we need to be doing. Now, we're not going to be as good or as perfect. No way. We're, We're humans. He was God in the flesh. But that God lives in us. And that's the mindset we got to have. If that lives in me, then I'm not letting this come on me. I don't want to mess around with all that stuff. Anybody want to live like the devil? 
Oh, yeehaw. No. Well, I don't want to mess around. I, I don't want to be full, full of worry every day. That, that's not a good way to live. I don't even have to be saved to make that statement. I know unsaved people that got more sense than to run around with that. Because worry causes ulcers. Ulcers cause bleeding. Bleeding causes surgery. Worry causes insomnia. Insomnia keeps you from sleeping and, and gives you tension. Then you get migraines and all that. I mean, just taking the Lord out of it, looking at it naturally, that sounds like a ball of fun to me. No. When it comes, it'll come. You'll have opportunity to be worried about something. My son broke his back twice. I, I'm an expert at, at fighting and, and standing. I've been sick. My mom's been sick. My dad's been sick. My daughter was born sick. My son broke his back twice playing football and should have been paralyzed, but is healed and alive today on our worship team with, with no injury in it. I, I, I'm talking about broke his back. So you have opportunity to say, oh, Lord, well, oh, Lord, well, Lord, they, they found four gross in my throat. I, I reckon I, I, you need me in heaven. No. The only two people that God took, and when God sets a precedent, that's the way he does it. They were and they were not. God don't use a car wreck to kill three people to get you to heaven. Let me set that record straight. Well, God took them home, and then why did the other three die and go to hell? See, we messed up theology because we're messed up in the mind. If God wants you home, he'll do like he did with Elijah and Enoch. You would be, and then you would not be. You would be there. It wouldn't affect nobody else at all. Other than that, we live in a fallen world. That means a world that's constantly under attack where there is a prince and a power of the air called Satan Lucifer who is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we live inside this fallen world, but the Bible says we're in it, but not of it. I'm here, but I'm not from here. Come on, somebody. I'm peculiar. I'm chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. The Bible said I'm an ambassador, an official representative of the highest rank. And when you're an ambassador, you have diplomatic immunity. Come on, somebody. When we send an ambassador to China, they don't become Chinese. Where they live is American soil. Where their office is is American soil. And if they get a parking ticket, they don't pay it. If they get a speeding ticket, they don't pay it. Because they're in it, but they're not of it. Come on, somebody. I'm in the world, but not of the world. So when sickness come, wait a minute. I'm a diplomat of heaven. I don't have time for that. I have immunity from that. So he said, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. What is that mind? That the power of God needs to flow through us. That's the mindset. We're looking. Devil, you better look out. I'm not hiding from you. You better hide from me. See, a lot of us are hiding from the devil. He should be hiding from us. Oh, Lord, he's up. Pastor Matthews is up out of bed this morning. Better run, better run. But when some people get up, they're up. Go get them. They're ready. Ride on them. Take a ride on their back. Get all up in their mind. Get all up. They're up. Go attack. I don't want to live that way. I want to live on the victory side. And you got to work at it to keep it. It doesn't just happen. The Bible says we have to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. Somebody that's blessed didn't just get lucky. They didn't get up one day like, you know, people today, you know, I ain't going to pick it on young people because y'all got some good ones here, but there's, they think they should get the $20 an hour job before they had the $7 an hour job. Come on, somebody. I started at three seventy five. come on, and had a wife and one child. Three seventy five. Working for a church, go figure. <laughs> We've come a long way in the body of Christ. Look at this. We get in there 
And when you want to be blessed, it's a choice every day. When you see somebody successful, that's because they probably had a thousand days before the day you saw them where they decided today, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to work it till it works. I'm going to believe it till it's possible. I'm going to work night and day. And may, you, you're, you're just saying, oh, look, they got the car and the house, but you didn't see the 3,000 days that led up to that. You're just seeing me today, but you haven't seen the last 22 years of fiery furnaces and, 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 and lion's dens and, and splits and attacks and sickness and disease. And this. you're seeing now, but now is a result. It's substance and evidence so that when I preach about it, I'm not preaching about what I don't know. I'm preaching about what I can prove. See, when Paul preached about faith, he didn't come in in a Bentley. Come on, somebody. He didn't come in renting a whole floor of a hotel to preach at your church. He came in having been beat three times, I think it was, with 39 stripes. We saw Jesus go through that once. Paul went through that three or four. And then they took rods when there was no skin left to rip off of him. They took rods and beat him and broke most of his bones. And then they put him in prison. So when he came in to preach he looked like something from a horror movie and when he said the just will live by faith they believed it because he didn't have no Vicodin to take for the pain he didn't have no antibiotic to heal up the wound he had to heal it up by faith living in fecal matter and urine in prisons with open wounds and when he preached about faith they believed it because brother probably couldn't even see halfway So when I come preaching, I'm not preaching about something I hope works. I'm preaching something about you can sit down with me and I'll prove it to you. Our mindset. Romans 12 said we got to renew our mind. We got to get a new attitude. Philippians 2.16, the first phrase in the verse is hold fast to the word of life. (laughs) Romans 10, 8 says that let this uh, confession be in you, that, let this word be in you, that is the word of faith, not the word of doubt. This isn't the two-third gospel church. I know a lot in my town, they like the frozen chosen. Come on, somebody. They like the half gospel church or the two-third gospel church or come on, we the old covenant church or we the new covenant only church and all that. No, hallelujah. We are holding fast to the word of faith, the word of life. Jesus came to give me life. The thief come to steal it. That's all I need to prove homosexuality is wrong. That's all I need to prove abortion is wrong. I don't need nothing else. He came to give life and whatever don't produce life isn't of him. And Steve and Steve can't make Steve. And Eve and Eve can't make an Eve. If there was a whole generation of homosexuality, the earth would end because they cannot make life. So that's all I need. I don't need a senator to tell me. I don't need a, a president to call a press conference to say I'm for it, but I'm really against it. Because if I was for it, I would pass a law legalizing it. But I want your vote. Come on, somebody. That's somebody that got no moral compass, that got no sinner, that I don't care what they promise you. I don't care. Well, if I vote for them, there'll be a chicken in every pot. You better vote by the word of God. You don't need to live on government cheese. You don't need to live in the handout line. You need to live in the Jehovah Jireh line. Well, I'm going to vote for them and they're going to cut my peanut butter and cheese off. Who wants to live that way? Jehovah Jireh runs my life. I'm not participating in the recession because I don't have to. There have been famines before. He didn't catch God by surprise. We call it recession. Isaac called it famine and a double famine. And God said, stay right there in Genesis 26. And matter of fact, spend your money right in that famine and put your seed right in that ground. And in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. He refused to participate in the famine. 
My church don't pay me enough for what I do. Your job don't pay you enough for what you do. I'm not living by what they pay me. Come on now. I'm not holding the line. Well, that's my paycheck and that's all that's coming. Uh Uh-uh. I got a thing called seed time and harvest. Glory be to God. And the harvest isn't up to God. It's up to me. I was in Outback the other night. Loved Outback. And somebody met us there and said, here's a thousand dollars for your mission trip. Here is $1,500 for your church. Here's $300 for your kids. And here's a thousand dollars for you and your wife. Now add all that up. That's like $2,800. I went back to eating my steak and went home blessed. I was just minding my business. Now, where did that come from? Just because I meet? No, because a few weeks earlier, I had sowed a seed into somebody that God told me to sow a seed into. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody in the church and the Lord said, go get them a check and do this. And so the seed got in the ground and that seed was getting cultivated. So you reap what you sow. And it ain't just money. Joy. If you pray for others, there's somebody praying for you. If you bless others, there's somebody in line to bless you. If you give somebody a hug, somebody's giving. Well, don't nobody shake my hand. That means you didn't shake nobody's hand. I told one lady at my church, well, pastor, nobody shook my hand. So what you're doing is telling me that you didn't shake nobody's hand. No, nobody shook my hand. So what you're telling me is you was rude when you came in and you didn't say hi to nobody. Because if I stick my hand out, you're going to stick yours back out and shake it. So if nobody shook your hand, it's because you didn't shake nobody's hand. Right? If you smile, you get some smiles back. What you reap, you sow. We need to have that mindset. And I know you guys got it here. And I'm not preaching anything. Your pastor don't preach. Your pastor's an awesome preacher. But every now and then we need the, yeah, that's a good place. Every now and then we just need the wind of remembrance to blow in the sail of our spirit and say, wait a minute, I've been slacking up on that. I'm not going to read these other scriptures. We're done in just a moment. I love it when people ask me, how are you going to do that, Pastor? I used to get mad. I ain't got to explain it to you. But now I like it. Because when they're asking me how, that means it's so big, they know I can't do it. <laughs> and they're like, how are you going to do that? You said we're going to get a free church. And for five years, how? Wah, wah, one group split the church. It'll never happen. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. I don't know how, but I know who. And when I can't answer the how, that means I'm really walking in faith. People ask me how. I'm like, good question. I'll get back to you with the proof. Because between my belief and it happening, I don't always know how. But when I get the evidence, you'll be the first door I knock on. Come on, somebody say amen. Spreadsheets. I've been strong on this with my trustees and the three churches that I'm on the board of and Compassion in Action, that a spreadsheet and a checking account balance doesn't determine the vision that I have. My vision determines the spreadsheet. I don't care what that spreadsheet says. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it or I am going to do it. We tell the trustees all the time, look, you can look at them numbers all you want, and I know how much come in, but if God said that we're going to do this and it's 50000 then guess what? That spreadsheet ain't my God. And the vision should determine the spreadsheet, not the spreadsheet determining the vision. And this is where a lot of believers fail. They let the spreadsheet determine what they do when they should let God determine what they do. The greatest chapter of your life will always start with a risk. Remember when you met your sweetheart? Brian, you remember when you asked Renee to marry you? You married over your head, right? Right, amen. I did too. I remember I was nervous. It was a risk. But 21 years later, I got a a boy graduating next week, going to college. I got a girl 16, another girl 13, three dogs, a bunch of fish, a cat, 
It started with the risk. I don't know who took the bigger one. <laughs> she probably did. She went to a Bible college, didn't date nobody there because she didn't want to marry a preacher. We get back to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our parents buy houses next to each other. She was singing with the manual singers. She had a boyfriend. As soon as he left, I asked her out. And then I, wa- I wasn't really in the mindset to preach at that time. And then uh, 30 days after we were married, Derek Floyd came to our church and sang a song, Quiet Me, O Lord. And the Lord spoke, I told you to go to Bible college and to give me your life. And I told Lisa that night, we're packing up in January and going. She was like, oh, my God, I didn't know you wanted to be a preacher. (laughs) I remember when we started the church, we left the evangelistic field. We were succeeding on TBN, Sky Angel, preached at Brother Sumrall's, all these other places. And the Lord said, I want you to give it all up. I want you to start a church back near your hometown in a small town, Waynesboro. I said, Lord, I'm a metropolitan kind of guy. What do you mean, small town? I was kind of offended. Lord, I want to reach the masses. <laughs> Come on, you know how it is. But I listened to the Lord. And I believe that demographically we may not be a mega church, but I know every small church in America can be a super church. We might not be mega, but we can be super. And that's the spirit God is putting in me to go to churches 500 and less and tell them you might not be mega, but you can be better than mega. You can be super. Every great moment in your life starts with your risk. You are only one big decision away from totally changing your life. What is it you really want to do? You're one decision away from doing it. It's in here. You don't have to convince your wife, your husband, your boss. You got to convince yourself. You're one decision away. Let's stand on our feet. One decision away from changing your life. Could you come play your instrument? Last night we learned that we're in him, we're covered by the blood, we're predestined for our inheritance, that he is the guarantee, the seal of our life. Tonight we've learned that we've got to have a mindset of victory, a mindset of completion, a mindset of faith. We've got to guard our mind. Our mind is like a hard drive. And when we got saved, God downloaded his nature into us. And it's up to us to keep that and cultivate that and grow that. I want to ask you tonight if you have a decision to make. You want to say tonight, I want to take a big step of faith. And that step of faith is saying yes. The step of faith for me to say, yes, Lord, I'll pastor is bigger than the step of faith it took for me to get a building or get a congregation. Because the first step is always the most important step, the biggest step. It gets you to the the next. Maybe you're here tonight and there's some area of your life. It could be business. It could be relationship. It could be dealing with the past. It could be ministry. And you want to say there's a decision I need to make. A step I need to take. You're only one step away, one decision away from the biggest change in your life. If you're here and you say, I want to make that change, I want you to just step out of your seat and just come to this altar real quick. You might think it's a small thing, but what it is, it's an act of faith tonight that's going to activate a chain reaction. Because you're now telling yourself, okay, self, I'm activating this power within me tonight. You could be the next thing that God uses to change a region or change a church. I'm going to keep right here because I feel there's more. Haven't opened my eyes yet, but I I sense in in my spirit that if you're even hesitating, that's you. (laughs) Because that hesitation is the enemy trying to put resistance You say, I'm ready to step into that new realm. It's me. It's me. Now the rest of us, I want you to lift your hands. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Sir, could you come right over here with these? I'm going to pray for y'all separate. I want to ask if everybody else will do what we did last night. And I, I don't do this hardly ever at my church or anymore. 
I haven't been doing much altar ministry lately. It's all been word ministry, but I want to ask if you'll just leave your seat and just come into this altar and make two or three rows and join hands with your neighbor. Just leave from wherever you are tonight. I want you to join hands with your neighbor. Come up tight and make like two long rows. Lord, we love you tonight. If you've got a something worship in your spirit, you go ahead and release that out, even if it's just a new song or if it's a song you're familiar with, whatever you feel led. Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Lord. If we have an usher, just stay with me for a moment. Those of you coming to the altar, just join hands with your neighbor right now in the name of Jesus. Just begin to worship the King of Kings. Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord. Lord, a fresh anointing. Lord, we're never too old and we're never too young. We're always just right. <laughs> we're always just right. Because it's you that's moving us and you don't do anything that's wrong. So in whatever season, it's always the right season. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Come on, church, let's worship. Come on, church. Fresh and all. Man, there's just a sweet anointing just rolling over my right shoulder right now. Just like a wave from the ocean just coming in. Going out and coming in. Going out. Filling up and it's pulling out. Filling up and it's pulling out. Filling up and it's pulling out. 